seems appropriate to talk about communion today. But before we do, uh, I want to give a, a praise report. I was hoping Amanda would be here, but she's not here. But um, many of you remember, was it, if it was last week or the week before that we prayed for Amanda? Two weeks ago. Prayed for Amanda. And um, it was one of, those, one of those things where as soon as, as soon as we started praying, I felt like I needed to pray for Amanda. And then the Lord immediately said, grab Bill. I want you and Bill to pray for Amanda. And I had already known that Amanda had uh, been diagnosed with an aggressive uh, cervical cancer, I believe it was, and had like three different tests done to, to confirm that. And so we just went and prayed for her. And I grabbed Bill, and Bill, as cool as Bill is, I mean, he's, yeah, of course I will, and, and just prayed for her. And we prayed, and, and uh, we just found out that the doctors went back with, with the fourth test, and they couldn't find any cancer. <laughs> crazy. And me and Bill were talking about it this morning. I was like, man, it seemed really insensitive if you know Bill's history for me to go ask him to pray for her, I thought, but the Lord said to do it. And so I just listened. Um, But I love what Bill said. I said, you know, how does that happen? He was like, well, God. I was like, well, I know, but it's crazy. They got three tests wrong or or they didn't. (laughs) And now it's gone and they even had to send it. And, And what's really interesting is what I specifically prayed for with complete confidence was that the doctors would be confused because they, they, there would be nothing there. And they were. <laughs> I mean, it was like almost word for word. When Dawn reported it to me, she said, they don't know where it is. And they, they even sent for another test to try to confirm, and they confirmed that there's nothing there. Amen. That's good news. <clears throat> so I just, uh, man, that's one of those things when you, you have a lot of, as a pastor, you I talk to all of you guys, and, and even when I don't talk, I hear. <laughs> and I hear everything that's going on, and, and it's heavy. It's very heavy whether, whether you want it to be or not because I genuinely I do care deeply. Um, but it's frustrating for me and my personality. I want to fix everything. That's always been my thing. I, I just And Tracy gets frustrated with me too. She's like, I don't want you to fix it. Just listen. I'm like, I don't want to listen. I want to fix it. <laughs> but it, it weighs very heavily on me. And to, to get a praise report in the midst of some, some other things that don't seem to be, like I said, going the way that we think that they should, what the Lord was speaking to me this morning in worship was that we don't need to focus on those things at all that, th- that don't look like the way that we think that they should because he's got a better plan. I know that sounds trite sometimes, like a Christianese, but he does. I mean, <laughs> he made you. He, he does know. And when it doesn't look the way that we think that it should, he does have a better plan, even though it doesn't seem that way at the time. So uh, I, hope, I hope that helps you in some way, shape, or form, and I'll leave it at that. All right, let's talk about communion. I can't talk about communion without at least um, at least getting rid of one misconception because I find we, we do this a lot because I know for me I took for granted a lot of the teaching that I grew up with, not, not checking it for myself and not studying it for myself, just listening and going, okay, well, that must be true because they said it and they know more than I do because I'm an idiot. Um, but that's the way I felt. As I began to study Scripture and the Lord gave me revelation and especially with the technology that we have today and we can check Greek all the way back to Hebrew and cross-reference all this stuff and find out about it. It's really interesting to see how simple if we just read it (laughs) in its context. We don't need to even go much further than that and go, okay, well, that's not at all what they were talking about. The first thing that that I always struggle with with communion when we would take communion was, am I worthy enough to take it? And it was always a... a, There's a bit of a, a preconception and also it was taught to me that you, you, better get, you better be right with the Lord before you take communion or you could heap 
judgment on yourself like he could kill you if you're not righteous enough to take communion, right? Has anybody ever heard that? Um, and where that com- I'll show you where that comes from. It comes from uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. Now, we're going to start here, but then we're going to back up and read it in its context. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 says, So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep means dead. Many of you have died. Now if you take that by itself, that's pretty scary, right? That's... I don't know if I want to eat a cracker and drink some grape juice after I read that because I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared to get sick and die today because of a cracker and some grape juice. But if you read it in its context, it really gives you some perspective on exactly what Paul's talking about. Paul's writing to the Corinthians right now. He's writing them about a specific issue that they have. Okay? Now, let's back up. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. We'll start in 17. It says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, <laughs> for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. So there's one problem. There are divisions. So he's addressing these issues with the Corinthians. And to some extent, I believe it. <laughs> No doubt there have, been, there have to be differences among you to show which of you has, have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. So basically what he's saying is you come in there, you treat it as though it's your supper, you eat all the food and you get drunk, and, and you have money and you have food, but then the, the poor people come in and they don't have anything and they can't even take communion because you've taken it all. He said, don't you have homes to drink, homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? So he's pointing out the issues that he has. You guys are divisive. You're splitting up. The, you're having like these cliques where you, you hang out all together and you eat all the food. And, and you make these other people look like fools because they're just hungry. And there's a problem with that. I have a problem with that. He says, uh, you're humiliating those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now then it goes on to verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread drinks the cup. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute and go back here. Do you remember when he did this? Who did he serve when he served everybody? Judas. Who was the most unworthy to take communion? <laughs> Judas. And he still served him. All right, let's move on. That's a little side note that could squash this whole argument. All right, verse 27. <clears throat> so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning of the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now stop there. Judgment is an interesting word that we use, especially in America, that, that we use in place of condemnation. Now you may, not, you may not see that, but that's what people say. When people say don't judge me, what they really mean is don't condemn me. We judge everybody all the time. We make judgments all day. All of us do. We judge 
the way things look, how we feel about things. Judgments aren't bad, especially if a judgment's good. If you go to a judge and he free, if, if you're guilty of something and he frees you of it, that is a good judgment. So you're judged, right? So judgment isn't the problem. Judgment's neutral. Condemnation is what we really mean. So keep that in mind when he says this. For those who eat and drink and discern the body, Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak, sick, and a, and a number of you have fallen asleep or have died. Verse 31, but if, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. You see what he's saying there? He's not saying you're going to be condemned and that you're going to die because of what you've done. He's saying because of the situation I've just presented to you, this is what's happening. And he goes on in verse 33. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Once again, not divided. That's the opposite of the problem that he had with them. Eat together. Verse 34, anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. What's the judgment for? Eating all the food and leave, not leaving it for anybody else. Why are people dying? They don't have any food. They're not taking care of their brothers. What's the body, what's the body of Christ? Us, right? We are the body. We're supposed to be looking out for, for one another, not just for ourselves. We're not self-centered. We're Christ-centered. He's saying, look, the reason why this is happening is because you are you're coming in here and treating it like a party and not, not being reverent to what it is actually for. Not only that is you're casting out your brothers and sisters and just focusing on yourself. I'm telling you this because this is a, this is a judgment. You're heaping judgment on yourself in this matter so that you're not condemned one day. Learn. He's trying to teach them. Learn from this. Don't do this. This is dumb. <laughs> This is all he's saying. He bookends it very clearly. These are the directives. This is what I'm talking about, and this is why. Don't do this. Do it this way. It's very simple. So <laughs> what I used to stress out about is, what if I forgot a sin, like I didn't confess a sin, and then I go and drink, and like I would drop dead as soon as, you know what I mean? I know that sounds silly, but that's the way I felt. I thought I, would be smite, I might be smited by the mighty smiter. <laughs> might smite me before I hit the door. But what does that stem from? Does it, does it, not just, it doesn't just stem from my misconception about communion, but it stems from my misconception about who God is. Amen. Who is, is God a father or is God still angry pouring out wrath on me or was Jesus enough? So my, my, whole, my whole paradigm, I guess you could say, was based on a misrepresentation of who God the Father was. Understanding who God the Father is, Paul trying to express it, and Paul would even tell himself, you guys aren't just churches. You guys are like children to me. I love you. I care for you. That's so he's trying to tell them, look, I'm, I'm trying to save you from condemnation. The judgment you're getting, I'm, I'm aggravated with you. He says pretty blatantly, if I put it in today's terms, it may even have a few curse words in it. He's saying, I'm not happy with you about these things, right? I'm not pleased. <laughs> Should I praise you for this? Not no, but No. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like he's not pleased with them and he's saying, this is going to sound harsh. I'm, gonna, I'm getting on to you about this, but I'm doing this for a purpose. And the purpose was the, the way the church should be, this person looking out for the other person, not for themselves. Amen. What they were doing was the exact opposite. They were looking out for themselves, partying, hanging out, and leaving all the ones, making fools of the ones that were hungry and needed food and, and weren't doing that. Are we clear there? So when you take communion, listen, you're better off than Judas, <laughs> right? And I go back to the whole confession of sins. We... We confess sin, we confess sin, not plural. We confess sin once and for all, that we were sinners and now we're not sinners. And we can confess sins one to another, that's good and beneficial. But if you if our if our relationship with the Father was based on our ability to confess sins, we would all have to have photographic memories because I can't remember all of my sins. Can you? 
I, can't, I mean, I, I can't. When we, when we talk about this stuff, if we don't take it all the way to its end, we can get really confused. If you take it all the way to, to its end and you think that you can be disqualified because of your ability to, to remember and confess every single sin that you do, and that's how your relationship is based on a father, that's not a loving father. My kids can't remember anything. If our relationship was based on them confessing their sins to me, we would not have a good relationship, <laughs> to say the least. And at the same time, if, if they forgot one and came up here and, and tried to give me a hug, would I kick them off the stage? No. Like, pfft. go remember and come back and see me. Is that a good father? No, that's not a good father. This is, this is where we, we begin to really understand the intricacies of grace because grace teaches us that God is, is a relational God, not a, a distant God. Amen. Moses had the commandments on stones. God gives us Jesus who gives us the commandments written on our hearts and flesh. Hallelujah is right. Because now you can, you can approach situations from a loving state instead of a judgmental state or a condemnation state, which, which me, at one point, I was that way. I approached things as though I was the judge and jury. And I would approach people's situations as though everything was cut and dry, and it's not. It never is. It isn't. Have a relationship. <laughs> Any relationship. A friendship. Uh, uh, a deeper, more meaningful friendship, a marriage. Have relationships and tell me that, that everything's cut and dry. No, have kids. <laughs> have kids. Whew. All right, let's talk about some good news. Some more good news. So you're worthy. Why are you worthy? Well, before we even get there, why are you worthy? This is easy. This is the, 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 uh, the children's church answer, the, the youth answer. Why are you worthy? Jesus. Jesus has answered everything, right? You're worthy because of Jesus. The Lord poured his wrath out on him, and, his, and he said, it is finished. When he said it's finished, he didn't say it's kind of finished, but you're going to have to pull up some of the slack that, I, I, that, that Jesus wasn't able to do. He never said that. <laughs> He said, it is finished. Amen. I've done the job that you have, you have sent me to complete. I've completely, I've done it. Done, finny. I don't know any other language to say it in. All right, John 6, 28. It says, and they asked him, what must we do? This is a common question. And this is the hardest thing as a pastor, not to, not to try to tell you to do things, but to, to, to more reveal who you are in Christ. From that place, you will do things. I don't, I don't have any concern with that. If you know Christ, you'll do things. I don't, I don't need to be the one to draw those pictures for you and exactly how that looks. But what, but what my, my job is and our job is as a church is to continue to remind you of who you are. Listen, this is, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I have to tackle this first. Something I do Sunday to Sunday, week to week, is I always, in the back of my head, I'm going, why do we, why do, we do what we do? It's, it's, a, it's a question that I always ask myself. Why do we meet? Why do we come to church? Why are we doing the things that we do? I think it's a good, healthy question we should continue to ask ourselves. I ask myself this, even in the, in, uh, in the context of communion. Why do we do communion? Why do we come together? Well, what I believe is, I believe it's very important for us to corporately come together and encourage one another. Sometimes I need encouragement. Sometimes you need encouragement. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are. All the time we need to be reminded of who we are. Listen, the Holy Spirit does that continually, but he also uses us to do it with and for each other. And that is a very important thing. I, there, there, were, there were days in my early Christian life that I did... I, there were days in my early Christian life that I looked forward to going to church, and then there were maybe a few years later that I really did not look forward to going to church. I almost dreaded it sometimes. And I'm glad that I'm on the other side of that now, and I really look forward to going to church again. This is really fun. I, half the time, we get four or five people in my office early, and we just talk. 
We talk about the Bible. We talk about Scripture. We joke around. We talk about life. This morning, I, I parked our car out there for sale. Ben called me from somebody else's number with a, a New York accent. <laughs> saying, hey, uh, you got this off-road Lexus out here? <laughs> he said, I, I think <laughs> it's pretty funny. I should let y'all listen to it. I'm not going to do that. Pretty, yeah, I will. Let's listen to it. This is funny. He's not in here, is he? This is what your associate pastor did to me this morning. Where is he? This is funny. Yeah, I'm calling about this uh, off-road-looking Lexus all-terrain vehicle you got out front at the church over here. Uh, call, uh, call, call this number back. I'd like to work out a deal for you. <laughs> you know what? That made my day. I'm serious. I got it. And here's what's funny. He tricked me the first, like, I heard it. And I was like, sounds like a used car dealership or something. Like, I didn't think it was Ben. And I was about to call it back. I was like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> my wheel started turning. Let me listen to that again. And then about halfway through, I was like, that's Ben. <laughs> and he was smart enough to call me from a different number. All right. Bread of life. Let's talk about the bread of life. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is church, church should not be, should not be a stressful event. Church should be a celebration of everything that goes on during the week. We should, we should be able to come together and celebrate healings, or we should be able to mourn with those that mourn and, and celebrate with those that celebrate. We should be able to come together and not be divisive. We should be together. Communion is common union. It's coming together. It doesn't, and like I said, it doesn't mean you agree on every single detail. That's what that's what strength. It's one of my soapboxes. What, what should strengthen the church is what divides it, and that's differences of opinions. All the denominational differences frustrate me to no end because we should be able to get past all these differences and come together with, with the greater truth. All right, I'll get off that. John six twenty eight. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? This is a very old covenant type of, I do this and you do this. If my people, then I will. This is a very old covenant type of thing. Well, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? That's what they always ask him. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. One of the greatest scriptures ever. What do you need to do? What do you need to do to be saved? Believe. It's that, it is that simple. What do I need, but what do I need to do, though? Believe. Believe. That's it. That's straight out of Jesus' mouth. Verse 30, so they asked him, What sign, then, will you give that we may see it and believe you? Back up. Just believe. Trust. Faith. He's saying, look, do you trust who I am? They're saying, what sign will you give us? What will you do? Our ancestors ate, excuse me, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Huge, bold statement. Not, they said, give us this bread. He says, I am the bread. Now, what he's doing here is he is trying to bring them from, and this is, this is hard, hard to see, but in, spiritually I can see it as clear as day. He's pulling them from the old covenant into the new covenant. He's, they're saying, what do we need to do? And he's saying, believe. Okay, but what sign are you going to give us? Believe. Okay. Teach us how. Just believe on me. 
He is, he's not just an addition to their life. He's the very source of life. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All very bold statements. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I shall lose none of, the, of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Now you can see last day over and over and over again here. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now another bold statement, everyone, not just the Jews, not just God's chosen people, not the Israelites, everyone. At this time, the Jews there began to grumble <laughs> about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They, that was hard. That was hard for them to understand. They said, and listen to this very carefully. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Do you see what they're trying to do? We see Jesus as a physical person that came from mother and father. We're not seeing him as the son of God. They grumbled and they doubted because of that. They weren't seeing him as who he was. They were seeing him as who they They wanted him to be a rabbi. They wanted a good teacher. They wanted a king to come in and, and make them the geopolitical leader again. They were okay with that. But Savior, but, but the bread of life, like you're claiming to be like God, that's, that's another level. <laughs> that's, that's up there. And so they said, how can we say this? And so he said... Uh, Stop grumbling amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent, who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written, in the, <clears throat> is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He's saying it over and over again. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone, here's another key word, anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread <laughs> that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give you for the life of the world. Then, then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They still don't get it. They still don't get it. Same thing we talked about last week when he was turning tables over there. Like, what authority do you have? And he was like, tear this temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. And they thought he was talking about the temple. He was talking about himself. They didn't get They didn't see it. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> These are all pretty wild statements. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Now this should have been pretty clear to them because he constantly told them, I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm connected to him. I don't do anything of my own accord. I just listen. I just R&D, right? I just receive and distribute. All I do is what I see the Father do. He didn't just tell us how to do it. He demonstrated how to do it. I just do the, I, you do the same thing that I do. Just like I receive nourishment, like food, 
from my father, life from my father, and I give it to you, you do the same thing with me. Do you see what he's doing? He's, he's pulling them from the old covenant into the new covenant. You're, no more bulls and goats, no more over and over. There's gonna, this is coming a time where it's going to be done, and you're going to you're have to either believe in me or not. There's no in-between. I don't remember if C.S. Lewis or, or somebody much more intelligent than I am said, uh, Christianity or, or Jesus in general, the, the, the death, burial, resurrection, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, either is of the absolute utmost importance or it's of no importance at all. The only thing it cannot be is like media, like halfway important. <laughs> it can't be. It's either all a lie and crazy or it is of the utmost importance. And that's Jesus saying, listen, I am the one. I'm the guy. I know you wanted me to come in on a, on, on a horse with a sword, but I came in on a donkey. I know I didn't look like you think I should look, and I'm defeating sin, death, and hell instead of Rome. I know that. I get it. But I am the way, <laughs> and I'm the only way. Verse 58 says, This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever... Did I already say that? Yeah, but he says it again. Yeah. He's just repeating himself. And died, but whoever eats on this bread will live forever. He said that, And yeah, this is it. He says it twice. I didn't even realize he said it twice. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever eats on this, feeds on this bread will live forever. <laughs> it's probably frustrating. He's saying himself over and over again. Verse 59, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, this is huge because that's where, they, that's where they would talk about the Torah. That's where they would talk about the Old Covenant. He's in a place where a lot of people are not agreeing with what he's saying. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This is hard. Even Levitical law said, stay away from blood, flesh. This is not kosher. <laughs> don't, even, don't even talk about it. And he's talking about it a lot. He said blood and flesh a lot. Even now sounds sounds like cannibalistic, you know, it sounds like zombie stuff. Even when you say it physically, it sounds kind of ee. And they're saying, We we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is hard. How can we accept it? Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? <laughs> they're probably going, a little bit. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before, the Spirit the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. That's huge. He's tra- trying to transition them over. This isn't just a flesh thing. I'm not talking about just physically eating my flesh. And that's something that I studied, uh, even from studying Catholicism, that they, some hardcore, like Roman Catholics, will believe in uh, trans... I wrote it down somewhere. Transubstantiation, yeah. Where... It's almost you have to believe that it is physically, like the bread is physically turning into the body and, phys- and the, the wine is physically turning into his blood. And it's, it's a very dogmatic type of teaching. But I don't want to just speak negatively of, negatively of it because spiritually that has very profound meaning because it really is spiritually. Now, there, we, we may differ on some opinions on, on how that looks and, and all that kind of stuff. But what is really good about that is how seriously that we should see that, that it, it very much manifests itself naturally because of who he is in us, not because of the bread and the grape juice, but spiritually what's actually happening. Does that make sense? I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go too far. <clears throat> Does this offend you? No, I was on the spirit of life. So this, these words are full of spirit and life, verse 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Going back to belief again. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 
He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where, where else am I going to go? I've reached that place a few times in my life where I've thought, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all this is not real. And I've tried to like quantify and, and try, to, try to look at things from a, from a perspective outside of what I know to be true. But I can't. <laughs> it's funny that I even tried to do that. But I really did. There were times in my life when I would, I would debate with friends early on. And I would debate with atheist friends. And, and then they would, they would try to come to me as friends and say, like, you've been brainwashed. And I said, okay, let me try to look at this objectively. Has anybody done this? I've done this before. Try to okay. Let me let me just say okay. What if I was just brainwashing this thing and I would look at it objectively? I spent a miserable almost year of my life trying to look at something that I could never look at objectively because I'm not the same person that I was before. I'm a new creation. It's seriously. It's like I'm a new creation. I was trying to be I was trying to be dead again and look at things differently than I looked at them now. You cannot do it. For for you intellectuals out there, much and I'm not that smart. Trust me. <laughs> just believe. If you try to break it down and, and, and make it a little too analytical and try to, try to pull back and look at things more objectively that way, if you're born again, you're born again. You can't be unborn again. Totally different subject. All right. Jesus is expressing basically the exclusivity of his offer. I am the bread of life. I am life. There is no other way but me. There, there is going to no be... There's going to no be. There's going to no be old covenant. <laughs> there is only be new covenant. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Just spell my name right. W-A-K-I-Z-A. All right. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is expressing this exclusivity of his offer. With me, life. Without me, death. That's it. Simple, right? Right. <laughs> With me, without me. <laughs> With me, life. Without me, death. He says, my words are life. My blood in, in you, this is why I love the song we sing, His Blood Runs Through My Veins. That, that, that picture in my mind when I sing that, it doesn't eradicate or erase, but it, it calms me down about my whole adolescence trying to figure out who I was, not knowing my father really and not knowing any direction or what I was supposed to do. Knowing that, that God cared enough to, to take the time to... To meet me, and by the way, you nobody found God. He was never lost. Jesus, I always that's a term people use a lot. Oh, I found Jesus. Where was he? <laughs> you know? Jesus, he's the least lost person there is. Jesus found you. I'm glad you woke up and saw that he was there. Anyway, so I'm I'm just so thankful that Jesus thought enough of of me and everyone else really, but of me personally, of my relationship, that he was like, you are worth something. I mean, it, I can't even get into what. What a different life I have because of him. <laughs> I mean, with him life, without him death. That's all I can say. I could, I could spend three, four hours. Let's do that. You want to you talk about my life for three hours? No. With, we'll talk about his life for three hours. That's right. I'm just telling you that there's, there's such great truth in knowing that he is life, not an addition to yours. We, we have to get past that. That was a big thing. He's not... Christianity is not a theology or an addition to your life, a thing you do on Sundays and Wednesdays and you get back to your life. It is a very life. Well, another thing that C.S. Lewis, he talks about the sun. He said, I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because of it, I see everything else. 
That's how, that's how Christ is. It's not because I just believe in him. It's because of him that I see life. Like it's not depressing anymore. It's good. It's happy. All right. Um, the parallel to food and drink would make sense, especially after his death, resurrection, ascension, and sending his Holy Spirit. Um, we're already a little bit over, so I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. Um, but just know that this, is, this, could, this may lead into next week's, but salvation is an ongoing experience. It's not just a one-time event. Do we know that? There's a time that we are born again, but then from that place it says we work out our salvation. So we are saved, we go on being saved, and then when we leave this earth, we see the fullness of it. Does that make sense? So we believe, going by Jesus' words, we believe, and then we go on believing, and then we see what we've always believed. <laughs> like when he talks about last days, this is bringing to fruition everything that we've always known. So when we change zip codes and we leave this earth, all of that will just, will just come to completion in us, and we'll be able to see everything that we saw in part throughout this earth. Does that make sense? And I'm, I can't get, I don't want to go too long. Let's just say this. Um, Jesus is life. He, his, his blood is life. His flesh was broken for you and for me, and it's the most amazing thing that ever happened. Stand up with me. Pray for you guys. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you that we can come in this place and we can, um, we can worship you. We can just focus on you. Lord, I thank you that we can celebrate um, even something that seemed so depressing to those that were there when you were, when you were crucified, that, that they thought all was lost, but you were actually winning. Lord, we, they wanted you to be exalted on a throne, but you were exalted on a cross, which in the Spirit was actually a throne because you were, you were really doing what you came to do. And so, Father, I thank you that we can see that, Lord, in the Spirit, that your truth comes through Spirit and, and, uh, and life is in your words. And so I thank you that as we, we took communion today that we're reminded and as, as day by day that we're continually reminded that you are with us, that you are inside us, that it's your Spirit that is, is with us, that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in us. And it is your blood, royal blood, that runs through our veins and that we are heirs and co-heirs with you. Father, th thank you that you can show us that and we're not arrogant about it. We don't have to say, look at, look at what we've done, but we can say, look at what you've done. Even joking around about my life, let's, I don't want to talk three hours, let's talk about you. Let's talk three hours about your life and what you've done. And so when we, even when we celebrate Amanda's healing, Lord, it's not because something Bill and I possessed, but it was because of what you did in and through us to her. And so, Father, any doubt that anybody has about their ability or, or their, um, their disqualification, Father, I pray that, that you would silence the enemy in that. Lord, that, that just as easily as, as a pastor can pray, they can pray. And just as easily as healing came through Bill, it can come through them. And so I pray that you would empower them throughout this week to see and to minister to those that are around them, Lord, not to be exclusive or divisive, but to be... Uh, be loving and caring to those that are around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.